Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. It is Friday night. The Cardinals and the Nationals just got through with some excellent playoff baseball. Animal Sanchez took a no-hitter into the eighth inning, seven and two-thirds. And I got to tell you, you got to love postseason baseball. I think behind hockey, it's probably the most exciting out there. Hockey, there's nothing like playoff hockey and the intensity. With baseball, it's like a whole other animal because each pitch, the intensity builds in each moment, like ball one, ball two, and you're just you're waiting for something to happen and the build up between each play. And unlike all these other sports, there's no clock on baseball. So there's always a chance of coming back. I, I I love it. I think there's nothing like it. Um, that'd probably be the second best postseason out there. Speaking of postseason baseball, the big news coming out of this week was the Nationals, who played the Cardinals tonight, they got past the mighty Dodgers in Game 5 of the NLDS um, earlier this week where Clayton Kershaw was brought in with a 3-1 lead and he proceeded to give up two home runs on three pitches and his night was over. And then Howie Kendrick ended up hitting a grand slam in extras and the number one seeded Dodgers, the highest seeded team, the best record in the National League was eliminated. Now a lot of people were giving Clayton Kershaw flack for the lack of being able to deliver in the postseason. And um, to be fair, he, he deserves it. And he went up to the podium and he owned it. He said, hey, you know what? That's on me. Everything they're saying about me is true. And you really got to feel bad for the guy because he really is a class act. And that, that picture of him sitting there by himself in the dugout looking all dejected, I mean, it's tough to see. So, well, well, blame should go to Kershaw. And they, you saw a lot of these Dodgers fans that were very angry at him. They were throwing his jersey, running it over in the parking lot. I think that's kind of childish. If you're going to spend that much money on a jersey, you shouldn't be running it over with a car. But that's just me. I think a lot of this uh, has to be – a lot of this anger, I think there's three people to really blame here. Um, and the first one would be Andrew Freeman, who runs the Dodgers, for not giving this team any bullpen help. Now, this is a team that is extremely talented. I mean, you got studs up and down the lineup. Uh, you got Bellinger. You got Seeger, Jacques Peterson. And you, know, you go down this list, and it's studs up and down the lineup. And it was really a failure to get any help to go over the top. I mean, this is the Dodgers in the postseason is like the most predictable like, tease there is. Like, even before the postseason started, I predicted they would go to the World Series. But I have the Astros winning. You know, the Dodgers never get over the top. They're like that girl at the bar that you talk to, and she says she'll give you her number, and then she just, like, you know, she takes a drink and runs. It's a tease. They never get over the top because the organization has a philosophy where they can somehow contend and then keep prospects stacked away for the future. First off, that is ridiculous. You're the Dodgers. You spend literally billions of dollars on this team. You can buy anyone you want. You know who doesn't rebuild? The New York Yankees. You ever see them rebuilding? Because they can just buy players. And all these teams, if you look at over the past, they have to sacrifice something to get October glory. You know, if you look at the, look at the Chicago Cubs, for example. You know, they, they traded Glaber Torres for Willis Chapman. And it worked out. Willis Chapman helped win them a World Series in the back end of the bullpen. Because you need bullpen arms to win a World Series. Now, would they have liked to have Torres here? And they missed the postseason this year. Yeah, but, you know... That is the cost of October glory. You got to trade something. And you know, not every Rager is rewarded. The Cubs also, a year later, um, 
They traded Eloy Jimenez to the Chicago White Sox for starting pitcher Jose Quintana. And the Cubs lost to the Dodgers in the AL Championship Series that year. Um, you know, Quintana posted an earned run average in the fours, while Jimenez, he blasted like 31 homers. So, you know, they don't always always work out. But generally speaking, you know, you got you to gotta roll the dice here. Now, that was your moment. If you could not win a World Series with this core, that's going to go down as one of the greatest failures in sports history. The biggest waste of talent. Like, you can't have it both ways, saving for the future and not trading anyone. Like, that's the cost of postseason arms. And teams don't want to get fleeced. So, yeah, you're going to have to give up some prospects until you make a run. And there's people available. It's not like there weren't people available. Uh, I mean, Alex Colomay for the White Sox, he was available. Um, you had, they could, they should have made a move. The Nationals across counterpart, they got Daniel Hudson at the deadline. That boosted the bullpen. So, I mean, the fact that you had no bullpen arms and you had to run out Clayton Kershaw in that situation is a joke. The second biggest joke is the managering here. That, that was ridiculous. I mean, this is the second year in a row that I believe that Dave Roberts has really done a piss-poor job. He was outclassed in the World Series last year at Boston, and you can see it again this year. There's no reason you should be bringing Clayton Kershaw in. Now, I mean, I, I believe there's in the postseason, there's analytics and there's manalytics. In the postseason, you need manalytics. This is why you never see the Oakland A's winning in the postseason. Because, yeah, analytics work out throughout the course of the year. But when push comes to solve, you need good players. You know, a stat line is not going to win you a big game. That's why, like I said, the Oakland A's, you never see them win. Um, they have a low payroll and they run on analytics. You need, you need manalytics. And that's why you have the, you'll see the Nationals, they'll run out Max Serger out there. Because, you, you know, you got your big guy, your big dog going in. And that's why I like, if your reliever's rolling, I, I'm not pulling him for the lefty, lefty matchup. If he's mowing through guys, then he shows no signs of tiring. However, that being said, you have to balance that with the fact knowing your players. A good manager puts their players in the best position possible to win a game. And I don't think Dave Roberts did that. Because if he did, he would have known not to put a starting pitcher in that situation. Starting pitcher, mind you, with Kershaw, has clearly had postseason demons. He has been awful. It's been well documented. After the sixth inning, he has an ERA in the 12s. And that's who you're trusting your season with. When you have Bueller, who is dealing, he's only given up a run. You have Kendrick Maeda in the bullpen, who have been great all series. You had options. Other than Kershaw there. So I'm all for Manalek. Hey, you got to put your best guy out there in that situation. That was not the time. If you know your team, you would know that's like, that's not the right move to throw him out there. And not only did he throw, not only with the Kershaw thing, and I think that, that gets a lot of the attention, and rightfully so. And extras, yeah, Joe Kelly. He Okay, so Joe Kelly had a clean ninth. All right, you run him back out there. That's fine. You know, he's pitching well. But once he gets a runner on or two runners on, you got to pull the plug on him. He let Joe Kelly load the bases and then kept him in the game when you have Kenley Jansen in the bullpen still. You're closer. And you're not going to bring him in. That is a joke. Your season's on the line. And that's, a, I mean, the thing is, just blunt, it, people, they already extended him. And he won 106 games this year. But I got news for you. No one gives a shit that you won 106 games. No one's going to remember that. No one's going to remember that you had the best record in the NL. Nobody cares. What they're going to remember is 
that you blew it and underachieved to a team that really they have no bullpen. The Nationals should not have been. I mean, they're they're a good team and all, but they're not in the same class as the Dodgers. And I'm glad I'm glad that Nationals won there because the Dodgers think they can coast through the regular season and then show up in the postseason, and that, that's not how it works. So good for the Nationals moving on. Uh, I think it's going to be a, we're in, you're in for a treat with these two series. The AL series with the Astros and the Yankees, that's going to be the World Series. The winner of that team is going to smoke whoever wins the NLCS. Uh, I was watching game one of that, and these are two very evenly matched teams, the Cardinals. The Cardinals pulled off a mini upset of their own, beating Atlanta. And I think that was a great series, but both the, they're not in the same class as these AL teams. The ALCS will be the World Series. And it won't even be close. Neither of those teams can hit at the same rate. They don't have the pitching depth that Atlanta does. I mean, excuse me, that the Astros do. It won't even be close. The thing about both of those teams, too, in the ALCS, going back to it, they both made trades. Look at the Astros acquired. Last year, they acquired Garrett Cole at the deadline. The year before, or two years ago, they acquired Justin Verlander. This year, they get Zach Granke. They're making moves. The Yankees, same thing. Uh, they acquired Todd Frazier uh, last year. He's obviously still not with the team. Um, but then you get Chapman back. You get David Robertson to go in the bullpen uh, a couple years ago. You know, they make moves. You, you got to trade. Try to sacrifice pieces if you want to win World Series. And the Dodgers are stuck in the present, you know. They, uh, they don't want to trade anything for their future. And you know what? That, hey, so, so be it. So be it. Uh, with Clayton Kershaw, though, the final thing I'll say with that, it's, it's all mental roadblock with him. And I feel like it's kind of similar to Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, regular season when the spotlight's not on him. He's pitching a lot looser. But it looked very forced when you were watching him in that game five. Like, oh, I got to get it over. And he's just kind of like forcing it over. And, you know, he paid the price for it. I, the Dodgers, I think, have to realize they're not going to win a World Series with Clayton Kershaw. He's an excellent pitcher. Probably a Hall of Famer. But you're not winning that World Series with him anytime soon. I think it might be time to move on. It's a shame, too. He's a good guy. But um, you're not winning a World Series with him. Moving on now. Uh, another team that actually did make a change earlier this week, I believe it was on Monday, was the Washington Redskins fired head coach Jay Gruden. Now, We'll, we'll touch on this quickly because, you know, Redskins aren't a big national brand, but I think that is ridiculous. That just shows what bad ownership looks like in the NFL. If you want to see bad ownership, it's the Washington Redskins and Dan Snyder. Uh, the, the whole thing about it, I think, is ridiculous. First off, why would you fire him at the time you did? Like, why wouldn't you fire him the week earlier? They fired him after a loss to the Patriots. Well, you guys were 0-4. Patriots were undefeated. Well, what did you expect to come out of that game? What could you possibly expect to happen with that game? Yeah, of course you're going to lose. It was a bizarre time to fire him. Now with your by fire him, what, what are you hoping to do? Get a jump on the head coaching search? Because I got news for him. There's not a whole lot of people flocking, lining up for the uh, Redskins job. The owner, they, no one wants to work for them. You're not getting a jump on anyone. And this problem stemmed here that you drafted a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins that Gruden didn't really believe in. In that room, the coaches, they didn't want to draft him. And that's why you saw, I heard his work ethic wasn't particularly great beforehand. And that's why you saw they went to Colt McCoy 
before starting him again, after putting him in for a brief time against the Giants in uh, mop-up duty. But in that building, Dan Snyder, his son, went to high school with Dwayne Haskins, big Dwayne Haskins fan. Gruden didn't like him, and the owner overruled it, and they got Dwayne Haskins, and now they're stuck with him. Now you're stuck with Haskins. Um, and like I said, they, they said his work ethic doesn't look too good. His coach didn't believe in him. And now the interim coach you got is Bill Callahan. Well, good luck with Bill Callahan. I think all you need to know is asking Nebraska fans what they think of Bill Callahan. You know, you're going to fire Jay Gruden. You know, good, good, good luck with that. Let me tell you something. Bill Callahan, yeah, he went to a Super Bowl, but it was with all John Gruden's players. And in that Super Bowl, where they lost to John Gruden, it was the Raiders and the Bucks. He was the coach of the um, Raiders at the time. Tampa Bay knew all their plays because he hadn't changed the signals from the year before. They were still using the same signals they were using when Gruden was coaching. So they could read all the same plays. They did not change it. That is coaching ineptitude. But even he knows Dwayne Haskins isn't ready to be a starter because they weren't ready to name a starter yet. And that is the quarterback he drafted. So I think, you know what? Uh, Jay Gruden's going to get another job. His coaching tree that he's had coming out of there, he's produced some pretty good coaches. So he's got an eye, he's got an eye for uh, talent or developing coaches. I'm sure he'll get another job. I heard Rex Ryan is interested in the Redskins job. Um, you know... I don't know if you have Alex Smith at quarterback, and Rex Ryan's more of a defensive guy. You know, may, may, maybe it works. But you just drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round. He spent a first-round pick. And now it looks like you're, you're almost in tank mode. I, they, I don't know. This team, out of all the old five teams, I'll say this. And they play the Dolphins this week. And I will say this for the Dolphins. At least they have a plan. You can see a plan with the Dolphins trying to accumulate picks, tanking for Tua. I can see the plan there. They will win a Super Bowl. Before the Redskins do. <laughs> Look at Rick Throw. But the Dolphins will win a Super Bowl before the Redskins do. At least you can see a plan there. I don't know what the hell's going on over in Washington, D.C. That's another joke. Um, you know, moving on in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns are a mess. I don't know if you saw that drubbing on Monday night football. Uh, Baker Mayfield had probably his worst game as a quarterback. But I think this all stems to this is once again a look at what bad ownership up top can do to your franchise. Because there, there are some there are some piss poor moves made by this team. They acquired Olivier Vernon and they traded one of their best uh, left tackles on the depth chart. And look what happened. You know, you get a star. They they're trading star power for what you kind of need. You need. Uh, the, you need an offensive line to win. It's like the the cake analogy uh, Colin Cowherd always uses. But, you know, all these star players, the flashy guys like OBJ, you know, you Kareem Hunt, and the Chubb, it's all icing on the cake. You need a solid, you need solid offensive line, solid quarterback, and the rest of you, you build out from there. You build from the inside out. Their offensive line stinks. Baker Mayfield has no time to throw back there, and he's not athletic enough to scramble out. You know, he ran like a four-eight the combine. He doesn't. He's not stepping up in the pocket. He's trying to outrun everyone, and he, he simply can't. He's not athletic enough. And then on top of that, you got Odell Beckham Jr., who you're trying to force the ball to. Like they had him throwing passes, they had him doing reverses. You know, it just feels like they're trying to force feed the ball to Odell Beckham, which doesn't. It's not good. His uh, Baker Mayfield has his lowest QBR when targeting Odell Beckham. I feel like you got this weapon. You're know, trying to use it. You got Jarvis Landry who needs touches. You got Nick Chubb that needs touches. You're gonna have Kareem Hunt that's gonna come for a first-year head coach who was a coordinator. I think he was a quarterbacks coach last year. Thrust into this coaching job, 
And you got to try to balance all of that. I mean, that's that's tough. That is tough for the Browns. The schedule is tough coming up too. On top of that, they got Seattle this week, and I got Seattle winning that one. Um, Russell Wilson has been—he's been phenomenal. He'd be my pick for the MVP this year. You watch him in that Rams game. Some of those throws—it's it's impressive. The mobility he has. The fact that last year he was able to carry that Seahawks team to the postseason when he is literally—that's another guy. No protection up front, but unlike Baker, he's an athlete. He can move. He can extend plays with his legs. The passing's incredible. No one talks about it. They, the roles are reversed. And he had Andy Reid and that system that Patrick Mahomes had. I know everyone loves talking about Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is excellent. I mean, the arm talent is unmatched. But if you switch roles there, imagine Russell Wilson on that team. Oh, good Lord, watch out. That, that That's tough to stop. You give Russell Wilson all those weapons. Hell, even if you put him on the Bears right now, instant Super Bowl contender. If not a favorite, I think they'd be a favorite to win the Super Bowl. But going back to anyway, going back to the Browns though, it's going to be tough for them. You're going to need an offensive line. And next year you got David Njoku coming back at tight end. So good luck with that. I mean, the Browns. I said I said at the beginning of last year. I don't I don't have them in the division when they were making all these moves. Now mind you, I had the Steelers. And that was barring some unfortunate circumstance. I think if they still have Big Ben, they still would be contending for that division. That team they got they're running out. Uh, Hodgkins at quarterback. It's a third string quarterback after Mason Rudolph went down with a brutal hit. So that division's up for grabs. The Browns could still uh, potentially contend for the division. I mean, they're still in it. But um, I still have the Ravens winning that one. That's a lot of. There's a lot of dysfunction and noise going around there. I, I don't. I just don't see it happening. They'll win their game, sure, fair share of games, but I just don't see it happening. Finally, uh, final topic for today. We're going to talk a little college football. We haven't talked about that much at all this year. And I'm from, from the first couple weeks, I'll tell you, my, my who I like is my favorite in the college football playoff. I'll go number one, Ohio State right now. This team looks incredible. And the fact they had like a 70-something point spread, or was it, what was it? It was like 45. It was something ridiculous. Something like 40 points and they covered. And then you go to Nebraska, and I know Nebraska, they're, they're, they're a year away. But there's still some talent on that team. they got a winning record, and you're playing in Lincoln with College Game Day. Lincoln's a tough place to play, man. And he's got over 300 consecutive games sold out there, still climbing, night game, that atmosphere. And they, kept, they went in there, Justin Fields, and they handled business. You got that true, fresh, uh, that true freshman uh, transfer quarterback. Who's been he's been tremendous. Yeah, Chase Young at the defensive end. He's an animal. That defense is fast. They're physical. They're quick. They can tackle in open space. And they got depth to get after the quarterback. This is an elite defense. So I would have them at number one. They look very good. And by the way, J.K. Dobbins, his production's going up now. So it's uh, similar to what we saw in his freshman year at uh, running back. So this is, this is a good team. Uh, watch out. I got them at number one. And I kind of like their schedule too. I, I think... I think there's a very good chance they could win out. Um, number two, I think you got to go Clemson just off talent. Now, the only reason I don't have them at number one is because they have underperformed a lot of these teams. They had a real scare at North Carolina earlier this year. But you got Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. And yeah, he was a Heisman candidate, or they didn't talk for a Heisman candidate uh, near the beginning of this year. Um, so I do, uh, I do like him still, even though he hasn't played up to snuff. And then you got ETN at running back. They got too many weapons. They got one of the best coaches in college football at Davos Sweeney. And college, coaching matters. 
So you'd have to have them at number three, just, just on pure talent, and, you know, they'll figure it out. They always kind of start slow. Their national championship game, a uh, year they won, uh, two years ago, I believe, um, they, they almost lost against North Carolina. They went to overtime against uh, North Carolina, NC State, and they were an extra point away, or a field goal away. It was a chip shot uh, from losing that game. So I know they lost to Pitt a couple years ago, and they still, I mean, they always start slow. So I'm not too worried about that, but that's the only reason I have them at two. Number three, you have to go. I would have to go Alabama. Next Saban. Now that this this Alabama, they play a cream puff schedule. Uh, they they're playing cupcakes every year, but it's still a very good team. It's still Nick Saban coaching them. Tua Tagovailoa looks fantastic, as usual. Um, and you got Nick Saban there, so I, you you know they're probably going to get in. They would be my number three team right now. Number four, and now this is where it gets dicey. There's a couple ways I could go. I like Oklahoma a lot and Jalen Hurts. They got the Red River rivalry coming up tomorrow. Um, I think Oklahoma's going to win that game with Sam Ellinger in Texas. It's very good. He can sling it. That's always a great game. If you want to watch a good college football game, that'd be one to watch. But, you know, their defense, don't really trust it as much. I will say for this, Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley has done a tremendous job with Jalen Hurts there. He was a backup at Alabama. Most people didn't think he'd play again. And the fact that he was able to go, Lincoln Riley turned Baker Mayfield into a Heisman quarterback. And the farther we move, we see Baker away from Lincoln Riley. We can really see his flaws coming out now. Then the next year, Kyler Murray, short quarterback, not even six foot, can't even see over the defensive line, turned him into a Heisman quarterback. And now Jalen Hurts, who was a backup the year before, had a transfer in. He's looking like a Heisman quarterback. He's probably the favorite. So credit to them. I don't have them in it yet. I would actually go right now. The Georgia Bulldogs. Them dogs. Um, they beat Notre Dame in a very physical game between the hedges. But Jake Fromm, I think, is finally coming together. That defense is elite. Uh, there's only they, they have shown historically that if you play Alabama tough or even beat them or you play them tough in the uh, SEC championship game, the committee is going to let you in. Now, I think you can make this case for Wisconsin, too. If you look at what they've done, uh, it's pretty impressive. They, they, they've looked really good thus far. Won their first game 49-0, second game 61-0. They beat the brakes off Michigan. Uh, Northwestern, they won. Kent State, they won 48. They got three shutouts already. Their defense is elite. Jonathan Taylor, Heisman level. Uh, running back, he's playing at a high, high level right now. They got Michigan State, he's not that good. I think they should win. Their schedule, their schedule is very favorable. Uh, the tough games that stand out, you got Iowa, who's always tough, but I think they beat them. And then you have Ohio State. But that's a similar thing there, too. Well, if they play Ohio State tough enough, they could, they could, I think they could, I could sneak in. But my official top four, we're going Ohio State 1. Clemson 2, Bama 3, Georgia 4, but you're going to see a dog fight with uh, Wisconsin, LSU, going to be in the mix, and Oklahoma. Now, it's really a toss-up there, but I'm pretty confident in my four that are going to make it. Don't know if that order, but from what I've seen thus far, as of right now, October 10th, those are my top four teams. Uh, and we'll see. We got some good games tomorrow. Uh, we got a lot of good games. Auburn, I thought, was tough. Um, and Florida had a really nice win against them. Florida's had a couple nice wins now. So that is another team to watch out for uh, there. So, yep, yeah, that's all I got for you this week.
Uh, Marshall should be dropping his. Uh, he'll have a rant. We, we were separated this week because of the break schedule. We wanted to put something out there for you. We'll talk a little bit NFL next week. Looking forward to it. A lot of a lot of good games coming up. Um, the Rams playing the 49ers should be interesting. The Seahawks playing the Browns, like we talked about, uh, should be a very good game. It'll be interesting to see. I, I like the Brown. Uh, I like the Seahawks winning that one, but we'll see how the Browns bounce back with a young team like that. We'll see how mature they are. They had a a lot of distractions this week, this week uh, with the whole Richard Sermon comments. So we'll see how they bounce back. Uh, Giants and Patriots played last night, and that's the start to kick off this week. And I have to say, I was very impressed with the Giants uh, this one. I thought their defense played really well. Uh, Daniel Jones, that Patriots defense, man, that, that's legit. I mean, they're averaging giving up like 6.8 uh, points per game. And put that in perspective, the, the Ravens average giving up the 2,000 Ravens, who's considered one of the better defenses in the NFL history, only give up like 12-something per game. So, mind you, the Patriots haven't played anyone yet, but um, that was a nice performance. It does concern me, though, their lack of offense. Their offense is not that good. Uh, Brady's missing. Uh, people can knock Brady for his performance last night. I do think the Giants' defense did a nice job, but... Uh, the fact of the matter is they, they they don't have a whole lot of weapons. They're missing Antonio Brown right now. They're really missing Gronkowski. Gordon got injured last night. That is a team to void of weapons, and they need help. Uh, so we'll see. A lot of parity this year in the NFL. Uh, college football, too. Like I was talking about, it, it was tough to name those four. Uh, that's the most parity I've seen in a while for teams contending for that top score. Usually it's very obvious. Uh, Oklahoma... Another one, too, you got to keep your eye on. So there's a solid seven teams you can make a, a legitimate case for um, in getting one of those college football playoff spots. NFL, same way. Uh, very tough. You can go any which way, uh, however you shake it out. Oh, that's all we got for you. I've been Mitchell Kaminsky, and we will see you next week.